started uh, talking a couple weeks ago, just by way of review, because I know everybody hasn't been here. Um, we started talking about being founded. One of the things I felt like, and uh, I will continually reiterate this, I'm not saying that I got some great revelation and God spoke to me audibly from the sky or something or, or anything like that. But as we were rolling into the new year and praying, seeking God, and um, thinking about coming into a new year and, 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 and the, the virus and the government and all those kind of things, I was just praying, saying, all right, God, you know, where do we need to be this year? And uh, there, there was just one word that kept coming to me, right? And, and again, I'm not trying to make some big prophetic thing out of this. It's just this word kept coming to my mind, and that word was founded. And, 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 you know, every once in a while, and, you know, I realize that sometimes it can be just because you're focused on that thing, and so you see it everywhere, right? If you, if you think about a red car, then you see every red car that goes by, right, because you're thinking about it. Um, but I started seeing uh, either foundations or founded. I'd listen to podcasts, and somebody would be talking about building foundations, and I'd hear a song that had talking about being founded. And, and it's like one of those things that you just start picking up everywhere, and I started praying on that. And, and kind of saying, all right, you know, I, I feel like this is kind of where you're leading me, God. So what do you want to say about that? And, and a lot of times at the beginning of the year, especially, you know, charismatic Pentecostals or whatever, everybody's got a prophetic word, right? And, and uh, you know, in 2020, it was everybody, we're going to have 2020 vision. There's going to be new vision and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, it's just there's nothing special about the beginning of the new year. It's just that sometimes you're thinking about where God's going at that time. And, and uh, I felt like. The, the idea for uh, this series and what God's saying right now in our church is that it's not so much about him doing some great big new thing, like, like expecting him to do this great big new thing, right, that we've never seen this, we've never done this, we've never been involved in this before, but that he was calling us to actually go back to our roots and to actually go back to our foundations. Because sometimes when you're pursuing that new thing, that, that new big vision when the angels are talking to you and God parts the, the clouds and speaks from the heavens. Sometimes when we're chasing after all of those things, if we're not careful, we can chase those things to the point where we lose, we lose the foundation. And when we lose the foundation, then the things that come at us in our life are going to knock us off course. Because we're not really truly focused in on the, on the basic things that are very important. And so that's why I want to talk about this. One of the other things that I feel strongly about in this next year is that um, with prayer, and I know prayer and discipleship go hand in hand, but, but with prayer and with discipleship, or excuse me, with prayer, the other focus of our church this year needs to be on, on discipleship and, and, and basic core discipleship. Like, like we know who our God is. And we know what the word is, and we know how to dig his word out, and we know how to apply his word. We know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about, and we're filled with the Spirit, and, and we're praying in the Spirit, and we're moving according to the Spirit. And, and all of those basic things that we're fellowshipping together, and that we, we become the family that he wants us to be. Not just gathering together just for church meetings, although it's super important in, 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 in the scheme of that but that we move more and more towards becoming a family who I know that at any point and at any time I've got someone that's got my back if I need that. And, and that everybody knows that, right? And so these basic things, even, even our tithes and our offerings, and again, when I bring that one into this mix, sometimes I think we think, well, why is that? Are we short on money and so you're going to preach on that? No, it's not, not that at all. In fact, we've been doing okay financially. Thank you. Please don't back off on that. 
Because for us, doing okay is like we're not in the hole, right? So don't back off, but really, we've been okay financially. It's not about trying to get more money into the church at all. It's about understanding that when we go into times when we're unsure about what the future holds, we don't put our faith in money or in things or any of that stuff. We put our faith in God, and that that act of faith and giving is part of that discipleship. And so coming back and getting founded. Becoming more and more spiritually mature. And I don't care how long you've been in the church, right? I've been in the church, essentially, I fell off the wagon into a ditch a few times along the way for a year or two here and there growing up. But essentially, I've been in the church since I was seven years old. And I've been taught, you know, since I was seven years old to memorize the scripture and to know the word and all those kind of walk with the spirit and all that kind of stuff. But no matter how long I've been walking with God, there's still another level of spiritual maturity that God wants to bring me to. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God. We should be progressing and moving forward in our lives and our relationship with him. Amen? So that's what we've been talking about. So the bottom line here, and then hurry up, Tom, let's get to it. The the bottom line for this whole series here is this. Founded disciples grow in the soil of spiritual maturity. The more spiritually mature you become, the more founded you will become in your faith. The more you pursue spiritual maturity, the more nothing ever will knock you off course in your relationship with God. Now, there are many things that will come to hit you and to knock you off course. But the more spiritually mature you are, the more rooted you are, the more founded you are, you will not be moved off of your course. Amen? And so there are some specific things scripturally because I'm a simple guy. I'm a simple guy. I'm not that smart. And there are some things that God, because I like the things, I like the things, because I'm not that smart, I like the things when God just says, if you want to be blessed, do that. I don't like to wander around in the wilderness going, God, how can I find you? God, how can I hear your voice? God, how can I know that you're with me? How can I know how to pray? How can I know? And we we don't have to struggle with that. Listen, you don't have to struggle with that. You just don't. And I know that a lot of people do, but you just don't. You don't have to struggle with prayer. You don't have to struggle with studying the word. You don't have to struggle with being a part of it because God so clearly lays out in his word and says, here's how it works. Do this. And so this morning, well, last week we started talking about the word of God and how there are there are those six different ways. I'm not going to go back to that. Please grab the notes from last week and and uh, we can get them filled in for you. We talked about the word and how the word, how do we read the word and hear the word and meditate on the word and study the word and apply the word to our lives. And the the, the word, the Bible tells us exactly how to do those things. Now, similarly to that, when we come to the topic of prayer, a lot of people get kind of like wound up about prayer. Because we all know that we should pray, but I don't know, I almost, well, I'm sure there are some super spiritual, hyper spiritually gifted intercessors out there who have no problem with prayer. But for the most of us little know-nothing plebes, a lot of times we struggle with prayer. And, and, And honestly, for me, growing up in the church, I remember growing up in a church where there was a lot of prayer going on. There, there were prayer meetings. There were multiple prayer meetings that would happen in a week. There wasn't just one. There was multiples. You know, we've gotten a little soft in the church today, because if we do one thing a week or two things a week, we think we're so tired that we can't do anything else. 
right? Oh, I went to church on Wednesday and Sunday. I'm so tired. I can't do anything else. Baloney. You will do what's important to you, right? And, and when I was growing up in the church, it's like you, we, we, you, there, there are prayer meetings that you go to and there are Bible studies that you go to. And that, those prayer meetings, just and, and you've got, and I don't mean this in any way disrespectfully, I mean it with the utmost respect, was that most of the time the ones that were really hitting it in prayer were the old ladies in the church. I say that with the utmost respect. That's not, a, that's not disrespect. Because I would look at all the young folks in the church, and I would see that they're sitting around looking at each other like, what do we do? And, and you got these older women in the faith that have been walking with God for years and years and years, and they're calling fire down from heaven. And I'm going, which one of these do I think I should be looking at? These people that are looking at each other not knowing what to do, or these people whose hair is flying all around because they're so intense about their prayers that their, their bobby pins are falling out of their hair. They pray, they're w- praying their wigs off and don't even care. But what I learned over the years is that that was what was driving our church. It, listen to me. Listen to me. Again, I don't mean I'm going to hit myself twice in this, so I don't mean disrespect to anything or any ministry, but listen to me. Sunday morning Praise and worship and the word of God is not driven by my greatness in being a pastor or the greatness of the worship team. It's not driven by that. Celebrate Recovery cannot be driven by the program of Celebrate Recovery. His Walk Ministry cannot be driven by a passion to do His Walk Ministry stuff. Children's Ministry cannot be driven by Dana's passion to come up with a lesson for the kids this week. Whatever uh, administrating in the office when we come in to pay the bills on Tuesday cannot be driven by how much money is in the offering on any given Sunday. These are all things that need to be driven from, are all those things important? You better believe they are. Is Celebrate Recovery important? You better believe it is. No, you can't say a lot about these things, but I get stunned. I'll be as vague as I can be about this, but I'm stunned where week after week somebody will come in and be like, 30 days clean of methamphetamine, a year clean of methamphetamine, two years clean of alcoholism, uh, of, my, of my, my codependency for six months, people that are overcoming all these different things in their lives, and you look at that and say, these things may not be happening if that ministry is not in place. But it can't be driven by that. I love when we come together. This morning, I got to tell you, this morning when I got up, I was so, and, and, and weirdly, this is, sorry, got dry mouth from the singing this morning. You'd think as a pastor, because I'm super hyper-spiritual and I never have off days, that every Sunday I wake up and, and I float out of bed like Fred Flintstone and float across the floor ready to come to church. But not every week am I like so like, let's get there and let's do it. But this morning I was like, let's get there and let's do it. I'm ready for this. I'm ready to bring the word. I'm ready to worship this morning. I love the songs that we're singing this morning. I love the flute. I love the guitar. I love the piano. I love the singing. Let's go. Right? I mean, I'm ready for it. But I also realize 
that this week, we came in Thursday night and we prayed hard. So when I woke up this morning, it wasn't just because the fast ended. The fast is ending today, right, right, right? So I had a cup of coffee this morning, and it was like, hallelujah. That's actually probably, that's probably actually, that's actually the thing that caused me to float across the floor when I woke up this morning was that I knew. Yesterday, yesterday we woke up, yesterday we woke up and got out of bed, and I told Ann, I said, we have to go get coffee today. Because tomorrow, tomorrow I'm having coffee. But listen, it wasn't the coffee. It wasn't the coffee. Because the expectation that when we pray and we seek God that he's going to do something is what drives the ministry. It drives the word. Listen, when I'm preaching, I need your prayer. I need you to be praying for me that I don't get my own stupid thoughts in there saying whatever it is that pops off the top of my head. But the words that come out of my mouth are the words of the spirit and the word of God. And that those words coming out are going to have impact, not because I'm a great preacher, but because we've been praying and believing that God's going to do something. In our nation right now, all I've heard is whine, 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 cry, moan, groan, whine, cry. But what if we believe that God could do massive miracles in the middle of the thing that we thought was not going to go the way that a lot of people wanted it to go? What if the way that things are going is the thing that's going to draw a massive revival in this country? What if what's happening in our world, right, and it's not just about politics, because I know everybody's going to be, oh, look at him talking about politics. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the state of our nation. And we look and we say, woe is me, woe is me, what will we ever do? Well, we will pray and we will shake the nation with our prayers if we will believe that that's what God will do because he promised that he would. Or we can say, I'm not going to go to prayer meeting. It's not important. It doesn't matter. We wake up in the morning and we say, Lord, I'm going to get out of this bed and I'm going to roll out and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek you for today because I believe that you'll do great things in my life today if I pray and seek you. Not because I'm great, because I'm nothing, but because you said that if I would seek you, that you would do great things in my life today. See, in this year, now, now I started to talk about, and I got all sidetracked there, but I started talking about when I was growing up in the church, and I struggled with prayer almost my entire life up until like probably like 20 years ago. You're like, 20, that's two decades. You're so old. You're right, I am so old. But you have to realize I'd been walking with God for almost two years at that point. Some of you will get that later. I went to church for years and years and years and years, and I never really connected in. I knew how to say words, and I knew how to, like, like I could scream like those people scream, and I could get on my knees like those people, and I could raise my hand like those people, and I, and I could read the scriptures like those people and all those things, but I never really felt like my prayer was really connecting in or making any difference. But now there's an interesting thing that happened. I'm going to tell you why here in just a second because that's what's leading into this. This is what I want to talk to you about today. So basic. So basic. But when I really went back and was like, whoa, it changed everything about my prayer life. And now people are like, well, when you pray, Pastor, you got to do this or you got to do that or you got to do that. And it's like, that's fine if that works for you. But I don't need your way of praying because I know that when I pray, God hears me. I know that because I see him answer my prayers. 
Some of those prayers small. A few weeks ago, I, uh, I was on a Saturday night, interestingly enough, on a Saturday night, uh, I could not get to sleep. On Saturdays, I go to sleep really pretty early. And, and I could not get to sleep, and this individual was on my mind, and, and I was just really bothered by a, a certain thing with this individual. And so I'm just like, oh, man, instead of just dwelling on this, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray for that individual. And within four days, that person came to me and said, I just need to talk to you about something. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I just prayed. And the person comes to me and says, I need to talk to you about this thing. And it's like, okay, let's sit down and let's talk about this thing. That's why I could not go to sleep four days ago on Saturday night. God answers my prayer. Well, you think you're special. I don't think I'm anybody. I think I pray the way that Jesus told us to pray. And if we pray the way he told us to pray, then he answers prayer. I want to stir your faith a little bit this morning because I'm tired of the milk toasty in the church. Well, I don't pray because I don't know. I don't know if God answers prayer. I don't know. Let me tell you, he answers prayer. And so I, I grabbed this little pattern of sorts out of the word of God, and it's not just a pattern of, that I came up with. It's a thing that Jesus said. And when I started kind of like tapping into that, then all of a sudden things start happening. So I want to share that with you this morning. So number one, if you're in your notes there, and I really very, very, well, I'm not a note taker. Please take notes anyway because I'm going to blast really quickly from this point forward. Number one in your notes is this, the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. In Romans 12, 12, I don't think I've probably read a scripture out of the Phillips translation of the Bible more than five times in my entire life. But I wanted to read it from that particular version this morning because I like the way it says it. Romans 12, 12 in the Phillips uh, version says, Base your happiness on your hope in Christ. Now, if it was just that, I could just preach that and we could all go home today. Where are you basing your happiness and your hope this morning? Where is it based? In Donald Trump, Joe Biden, in Congress, and the Republicans, and the Democrats, in, in your job, in, in, in the nation, in the stimulus check that you hope comes in the mail tomorrow? Where are you basing your hope in Christ? If you're basing it anywhere else than that, then, then, then you're not going to find your happiness. Okay? Base your happiness on your hope in Christ. Listen, there is al you always have hope even when you don't have hope anywhere else. And the hope can only be found one place, and that's Jesus. It can only be found one place, and that's Jesus. Right? So base your hope and your happiness in Christ. When trials come, endure them patiently. Now, base your hope, base your happiness on your hope in Christ. We'll all amen and hallelujah to that one. But how about this one? When trials come, uh, endure them patiently. I forgot my glasses this morning, so you have to bear with me just a little bit. So, when trials come, endure them patiently. Now, how do those two things connect? This is not my message, but I wanted to make this quick connection this morning. If my hope and my happiness is based in Christ, then no matter what the trial that comes my way is, I will be able to endure it because there is something more than my trials that I have my faith based in, right? And so my happiness is in Christ, my hope is in Christ, therefore I can endure anything patiently. And then here's where I want to get to. Steadfastly, what does that word steadfast mean? What, what, say it loud. Enduringly. Steady, what? Consistent. 
steadfastly maintain the habit of prayer. Steadfastly maintain the habit of prayer. Now, if you're in your notes, I want you to underline. There's a couple things I want you to underline or circle or highlight or however you want to do it this morning. Underline that phrase, the habit of prayer. Because we're talking about the four big habits that found us in our faith in, in this series. The habit of prayer. What is a habit? We talked about you know a couple weeks ago. The habit is something that you do over and over and over again until that thing is not something you think about anymore. It just becomes some con- subconscious to what you do. When you have a habit, you just do it, right? And so when, when, if you have a habit of eating, that's where fasting comes in. Because I have a habit that whenever I want, when, whenever I, you know, the stomach goes, then I just go over and I grab it and I just shove stuff in my mouth. It's my habit. And there's some habits I want to break and some habits that I want to make. I want to break the habit of not praying and I want to make the habit of prayer in my life. So much so, when you cross over, oh, mm, I don't know if I'm going to grab this this morning. Because it's not, it's not, I'm going to get excited about the message pastor preached yesterday. And so you pray tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and by Thursday you've already forgot it. That's not a habit. Nor will you necessarily see these great, big, gigantic results from God because you sought him for three days. What I'm talking about in this entire series is that what God does, he does through your steadfastness, through your consistency, through your endurance, through your perseverance, that I pray and I pray and I pray until prayer becomes second nature to me. I don't have to try to pray anymore. I don't have to set my alarm to remind me to pray anymore. I just get up and I pray because prayer rolls out of me. Don't raise your hand. How many of you have that habit right now? Just think about it. Don't raise your hand. Where you just wake up and what flows out of you is prayer. When you lay down in bed at night, before your eyes close and you start snoring, prayer starts to roll out of your mouth. Thank you. My wife is amazing. Hey, come here. Come here. Come here. Oh, man, you're missing it on the camera. She looks super hot this morning. So... So, so we have to get to the point where prayer is second nature to us. It's something that we've done so much that it just comes out. Now, again, we go, well, that's too hard for me. I don't know if I can do that. Listen to me. If you are caught up in any other habit in your life, CR talks about the hurts, the habits, the hangups, right? If you are hooked up in any habit in your life, you can get the habit of prayer down. I can't, I can't do it, Pastor. I've tried it. Okay, well, how about that habit of smoking cigarettes? How about that addiction to alcohol or drugs? Or how about that addiction to the video games or that addiction to the television show or that addiction to, to, to your leisure time? or that Whatever it is that you've made a habit of in your life, if you made a habit doing that, you can make a habit of prayer the very same way. Selah. Much better results. So we have to make prayer a priority for ourselves. And so in this little thing, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go quick. I'm going to go quick. Is there are, there are, in your notes you'll see this. There's three attitudes and there's six steps to prayer. And if you work these into your life, you'll create the habit of prayer. And you'll, and you'll, shake, you'll, shake, you'll shake cities, you'll shake counties, you'll shake a nation. 
You'll shake your life. You'll shake your family. You'll shake your church. And all of that needs to be shook. Amen? So, so here, real quickly, we're going to do this. There's three, three attitudes of prayer. Everybody say attitude. Three attitudes of prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And I'm reading this from the New, New Living this morning. When you pray, just quickly, I want you to notice it doesn't say if you pray. It says when you pray. It's got to be a habit. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, now I want you to notice the promise. What did he say? Your father who sees everything will reward you. Will God reward you if you make prayer the habit of your life? Come on. Five of you thought said it. Will God reward you if you make prayer the habit of your life? Will God reward you if you make prayer the habit of your life? Thank you. Because he's a good father. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So the three attitudes of prayer are this. First of all, be real. Be real. Look at verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. There, there's two, there's two, one person and one group of people that you never want to be worried about impressing. Okay? One person and one group of people. The one person is God. I listen to some people pray, and I don't, again, I'm not I'm throwing judgments. It's just sometimes, you know, you'll hear somebody praying, and it's like, oh, my goodness. They've been praying for 15 minutes, and I'm not exactly sure what they said. Now, I'm going to hit on some stuff here, so don't, if I step on your toe, it's not about you. But sometimes those prayers go like this. Somebody needs a prayer for healing. So they come up and say, hey, you know, Pastor, can you pray for me for healing? And, and I'll go, yes. And so I'll grab my oil because the word says anoint him with oil, slap the oil on him and say, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus. You said by your stripes we were healed, that you are the God that heals us. And so I pray in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, that you would heal this whatever. Amen. Well, is that it, Pastor? Couldn't you pray a little bit better for me? But then you get some people, and it's like this, it's like this, it's like this. You guys all right this morning? <sighs> Father, Lord, Father, Lord, Lord Jesus, in, in, in Jesus' name, Father, Lord, I, I, I intercede, Father, Lord, in prayer, and Lord, Father, in supplications, and, and, uh, and Lord, Father, holiest one, that, that you, you being the great I am of all I ams, um, in the Hebrew, I, I forgot what the word for I am is, but I know there's a thing in Hebrew that you are the I am. And, and, and I, I pray, I pray for, for Joe, um, whose last name is, is, is Quackenbush, and, um, and, and Joe, Joe, who's gone to our church for a long time, and, 
and uh, uh, who who asked me to intercede, Father, Lord, 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 Father, in prayer, and and Jesus, and 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 um, and, and and that 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 thou would that thou would healest that thou would healest her in the name of Jesus. Why do we pray like that? It's like God is sitting in heaven on his throne and goes, Michael! Gabriel! Get over here! Are you hearing this? This is the greatest prayer I have ever heard. I've never heard four living creatures, come here! I've never heard such prayer. Surely I must move. There was, even King James was in that prayer. I have to answer this prayer. Listen, that doesn't impress God. He's not impressed by platitudes. He's not impressed when we're not real. The other group that we need to not worry about impressing is anybody else. I've got to this place in, in my own personal walk, because when I was growing up in the church, it was like I would watch, I would watch all these senior ladies, and I would be like, I got to pray like that. And then, I, then when I, I, Jennifer posted a thing the other day, and if you haven't seen it, it probably won't make sense, but I think there's like this Doberman pincher dog, Arr! and it's like this is the prayer when it's in my head, and then it says when I pray publicly, and then it's like this stupid dog from the cartoon with his eyes popping out, and and I used to be like that, and so I never wanted to pray in front of anybody else because I was so worried about what I was going to say. But listen, I don't care what anybody else thinks about how I pray because my prayer is between me and God, and he knows what I'm talking about. When my kids, when my kids were young and they would come and talk to me, it didn't matter if anybody else knew what they were talking about. I knew what they were talking about. Oh, you know, he wants some milk. Well, his, his diaper needs to be changed. Man, his stomach hurts. He needs us to be real. On, on Wednesdays when we've been praying, we open up the mic and I say, if you got a prayer on your heart, just come up and pray. And it doesn't make a difference if you come up and go, Lord, I just pray that you would touch our nation. Amen. Is that prayer any less powerful than if we stand up here for 14 hours saying the same thing over and over again when really all we wanted to say was, Lord, touch our nation in prayer? Now, if that prayer is rolling out of you, go for it. But we have to be real. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. They just want to be seen. They just want to be seen. Wow, I don't, maybe God's not impressed. Surely he is not by those kind of prayers. But, but at least I can impress everybody else with, with my verbal gymnastics. And everybody goes, wow, that's a man of prayer. And God's up there going, I don't even know what you're talking about. We have to be real. Amen. Second of all, I wanted a better word for this, but I couldn't really think of what it was. So I wrote, be relaxed. Be relaxed. If you're not trying to impress God and you're not trying to impress anybody else, then you can just relax and just pray whatever's on your heart. See, the secret place isn't necessarily always that you're off by yourself somewhere. When we are having corporate prayer and worship together, that's as much of a secret place as if you go off by yourself on the mountain somewhere. 
Because what you have to realize is that everyone else that's in this room, I can tune all of that out and it can just be me and God even in a crowd. I got my own personal secret place right here. And I can just chill out, me and God, and I can just talk to him. See, last week when we talked about the Bible, that's how God talks to us. He speaks to us through his word. Well, I wish I could get a prophetic word. I wish some prophet would come to down and give me a prophetic word. Open up your Bible. You get a word every minute of every day if you want one. That's how he talks to us. But prayer is our way to talk back to him. And when I come in, I just got to be like, here I am, God. Here I am, warts and all, sins and all, failures and all, shortcomings and all, the good, the bad, the ugly. Here I am, me and you, and I need to just want to talk to you for a little while. And let it come out the way that it comes out of you. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Next, be relational. The third attitude of prayer is you got to be relational. What do I mean by that? Look at verse 7 and 8 there. It says, don't recite the same prayer. This is from the Living Bible, a little different than what's in your notes, but actually I may have put this in your notes. Don't recite the same prayer over and over as the heathen do who think the prayers are answered only by repeating them again and again. Remember that your father, who? Who? Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Be weird if when my kids were growing up, they're coming in going, oh, father. Father, thou wast great one who works at Ven West and makes money. Can thou givest me five dollars so I can go with, with my friends to the movie if? My kids, my kids would just come up to me and say, Hey dad, uh, some friends are going to the movie. I need some can I get some money? Please. Well, actually, sometimes the please wasn't there, and I'd be like, Can I get some money? What? Please. Yep. Or sometimes I said, nope. There was no, there was no ritual to it. There's no formula to it. Still the greatest thing in my life that ever happens to me is when Judah and Addie run into the room and go, Papa! That's the... The whole world could be going wrong, and they run in the room and run up and yell at Papa and give me a hug, and all is well. Don't, don't you know? Don't you know that your Father in Heaven wants you to do the same thing to Him? He's your Father. You speak to Him as your Father. Is He holy? and needs to be respected, and, and we come to honor him, you better believe we do, but he's also our father who sent his own son Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could run boldly. Everybody say boldly. Not timidly. Oh, Lord, I don't know if I can pray today. I, messed, I said a bad word the other day. I don't know if I can ever pray again. Boldly into the throne room of grace. The throne room of what? Grace. To meet with my Father because He loves me. 
And the thing about the thing about the father that we see here in Matthew is that he he he's my father and he already knows what I need before I ever come in and tell him. He so why do we have to pray then? Because I it's relationship. It's not that God doesn't know what we need, and so therefore we just go, I'm just going to wander through life, and I'll stumble into him giving me what we need. He's my father, so he wants to hang out with me. He wants me to depend on him. He wants me to come to him. And so when I'm relational and not ritual with him, he's very, very pleased by that. Those are the attitudes. Now let's move in. Point number three, the pattern of prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says this, pray like this. Circle the words, underline, highlight the words like this. Everybody say like this. Like this. Notice he doesn't say pray this or pray strictly according to this. He says pray like this. Okay? And so let's go quickly here. There's... The pattern of prayer is that there are six things in those verses that he tells us to do. Number one is this. We begin our prayer. Now, in all of these six steps, I want to say to you that you don't have to do these in some ritualistic order every time you pray because that would defeat what I just got through telling you. Okay? We come into prayer and we go, okay, now i got to do this, and now i got to do this, and now i got to do this. Because if you do that, your prayer life is going to get awfully stale and awfully ritualistic again. It's not about having to pray some kind of order or doing everything, every time, every way. It's that these are the parts that make a prayer that, as the scripture says, avails much. That the prayer of a righteous man avails much or does great things. And so these are the ways that we pray that do great things. Number one, but what I just said, I would make this one caveat. The other five... You don't always have to do. But I would say to you, don't ever pray without doing number one. Now, I just dropped a bomb on you, and, and, and you may not know it, so I want you to meditate on what I just said. When we get to the other five things about prayer, you may not do those five things every time you pray. Because I may not be praying for somebody else when I've got a need going on with me. I may not be praying for me when, I've got, when, when, when somebody else is needing prayer and I need to pray for them, right? So those other five you may not do all the time, but I would say never pray without doing number one, and number one is praise. And, and there's going to be a reason for that. Again, that's not ritualistic. There, there's a reason for it. Now, praise. In Matthew 6, verse 9, it says, Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So that when I come into prayer, are you guys okay? Because we're going, we're going into, the, we're going into the, the crux really quickly here. We cannot pray effective prayers until we first understand and remember who it is that we're praying to. That was another bomb right there. I should have got more amens than that. We cannot effectively pray unless we first recognize who it is that we're praying to. So when we come into prayer, we say, Father in heaven. What is that? That's relational. He's my Father. And I'm coming to seek my Father. But when I come in, I also have to know that my Father is holy. And not only is he holy, but, but his name needs to be kept holy. So in my relationship with him, I never want to come in disrespectfully because he's my father, but he's also holy. 
So I come in with a recognition of who he is. And that's what praise breaks down to. Now in the word, in, in scripture, there's all these different words for praise. I think there's seven different words for praise. And I'm not going to go into all those this morning. I just want to hit you with two real quick. And these are in your notes. There, there's two kinds of main kind of praise. The other ones kind of fit into these two. The first one is thanksgiving. I pray and I thank God for what he has done for me. Why do I want to do that? If you've ever had a kid or you had somebody in your life and you, you are giving to them and you give sacrificially to them and they just keep coming back and asking you for more. You ever done that? It's like I just give and I give and I give and I don't mind giving. In fact, I like giving and I will continue to give. But once in a while, it would just be nice for somebody to come back and say, hey, thanks. So when I come into prayer, before I go on and start asking for anything else, I come in and I say, God, thank you for everything that you've already done, for all the prayers that you've already, you've already answered these prayers. You already saved my wretched soul, my, my deceitful heart that was wicked beyond anything else. I deserved hell. I was on my way to hell. And let you and your grace and your love and your mercy, and because you're a good, good father, you saved me, and I just want to thank you. There's some things I need to talk to you about, God. But before I even talk to you about those things, I just want to say thank you for what you've done. The second one is adoration, which is praising God for who he is. If you have a hard time with prayer, just praise. Okay? Now, everybody, tune in your ears this morning because there's, there's some things I'm saying that are revolutionary, even though they don't seem like it. Because so many people go, I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to pray. And it's like if you don't know how to pray and you don't know what to pray, just begin to praise. Just begin to say thank you to God. And, and, then, and then adoration, what is adoration? Adoration is not thanking God for what he's done. Adoration is recognizing God for who he is. So how do I give my adoration to God? I don't know how to do that either. Well, there's simple ways to do that as well. Just start praying off his attributes. Man, I wish this was better than this podunk preacher could preach it to you this morning. Because this is powerful stuff right here. I don't know how, I don't know how to pray. If you don't know how to pray, just tell him thank you. And then start something like this. God, you are holy. You are holy. There is no one that is holy like you. In all of heaven and all of earth, there is no, you are worthy of our praise. Lord, I realize in the book of Revelation, it says, who is worthy to open the scroll? And, and John was weeping because there was no one who was worthy to open the scroll. And he's weeping. And, 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 and then all of a sudden he hears a voice that says, don't weep, John, because there is one who is worthy to open the scroll. And he's the Lamb of God. And I just recognize you as the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah this morning, who is worthy. God, you're the Ancient of Days. You're holy. You are truth. Lord, that in a world where there is no truth, where I don't know what to believe, I can't believe the news. I can't believe what anybody tells me. I can't believe what I read. I can't believe what I see. But I know that in all things, you are truth. Guess what? All of a sudden, you're praying. 
And I'm just going to tell you something. When you start praying like that, all of a sudden at 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour will go by. Just You're like, I could never pray for an hour. Listen, you start praying like that, and all of a sudden, boom, that time goes by just like that. And all you're doing is pouring out your adoration on God. You got to try it. Open up the Psalms sometime and just start praying the Psalms. Just, just, Lord, you are my refuge. Lord, my refuge is not a church. It's not a building. It's not a pastor. It's not a denomination. My refuge is you. You are the one that lifts my head. You are my strong tower. You are the right. You are the one that makes me holy because you are holy. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, why is that one? Of all the other ones that I'm going to talk to you about real quickly here this morning, why is that one so important? And this is in your notes. We pray with faith when we pray according to God's character. That is so good, and I didn't get one amen. We pray with faith when we pray according to God's character. God answers prayers that acknowledge who he is. Oh, God, I, I need a financial breakthrough, but I know I'm going to say these words, but I know you're not going to answer because, the, because my prayers don't mean anything. But when I start my prayer with, you are the God that will supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. Not my riches, not Trump's riches, not Biden's riches, not the country's riches, not my boss's riches, not the church's riches. You will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. Then God goes, there's one that knows what he's talking about. We don't want to come in with all this nonsense. Thou hast Father, it's Lord God, Father, 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 Father. God, you said you would provide all my needs. And because, because you are true, because you're the God of the amen, you are the God that cannot lie, and you have said that you would provide all my needs. You, God, said that you are the healer, that you are the God that heals me. You said that you would, by your stripes, Jesus, you said by your stripes, I am healed. Therefore, I receive your healing. It begins with who he is. It doesn't begin with your need. Because in a sense, your need is irrelevant to God because he already knows what your need is. He wants you to bring your need with a recognition of who he is. And when we do that, he answers prayer. Number two. We begin with praise. Number two is purpose. I commit myself to doing God's will. Matthew 6, verse 10, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Underline in there, underline if you're in your notes, underline your kingdom and your will. I don't know what to pray. I don't know. I'm helping you this morning. I hope you know that. Help me this morning. How many of you in here have ever been like, I'm just not sure what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I struggle with prayer. Good. That's most everybody in here. Okay. This is how you do it. How can I, oh, church. How can I pray a prayer that I can guarantee that it will be answered? I'm going to tell you this morning, right now, right now, I'm going to tell you how to pray a prayer that I guarantee on my life, on my heartbeat, I guarantee that God's going to answer it. When we pray, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And there's two aspects of that. There's the spiritual kingdom that we're living in now, and then there's the real kingdom that's coming to this earth. Both of those are in play. Man, it's getting late, but I'm just getting wound up right now. Both of those are in play when we say to God, you are holy, you are true, you're the amen. Jesus, you are the Lamb of God, but you are also the Lion of the tribe of Judah who is returning, and you're going to set up your kingdom on this earth, and you're going to reign for a thousand years, and I'm going to reign with you, and I know that's true because you said so. So I pray in Jesus' name, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I mean that in the spiritual sense right now because in heaven there's no sickness. And so, Lord, I pray for healing in Jesus' name. In heaven there is no division, so I pray for unity in Jesus' name. In, in heaven there are no racial differences, so I pray for unity in Jesus' name. In heaven there are no earthquakes, there is no brokenness, there is no poverty, there is no struggle, there is no worry, there is no fear, there is only God. And I pray in Jesus' name that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. And I know, Jesus, that you're going to do that in the millennium when you come back, and I don't know when that's going to be, but I pray that you would do it right here now in Coos County. That's a prayer. Number three. We praise, we pray God's purpose, and then we want to ask for provision. I want to ask God to meet my daily needs. Verse 6, chapter 6, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this. Now, now I'm trying to go real quickly here, but why do we pray for daily bread? God, draw me a million bucks so that I can put it in my bank, and then I will be set for the rest of my life. Why doesn't he do that? Because the moment he does that, we stop trusting him. The moment he does that, we start relying on that million bucks and not relying on him. Oh, God, give me the new house. Oh, God, give me the new car. When you get the new car in two months, it's going to be an old car, and it won't matter anyway. You'll be praying for something new, 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 new. When, when the Israelites, that give us this day our daily bread, I know most of you know this, but just in case you don't. That, that idea, give us this day our daily bread, comes from the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness, Jesus would send man, or God would send manna down every day. And he said, I want you to pick up the manna every day, and, but don't keep any of it till the next day. The next day there will be more manna. And what did they do? Because they're stupid like we are. Even though God said, don't get more than one day's manna, they went out and they tried to get manna. Wow, there's a lot of it. Let's gather it up and let's keep it. And the next day they'd open it up and it'd be full of maggots. God did that. Why, did, why would God turn my food to maggots? Because as soon as you had a little bit extra, then you quit trusting in him and you started trusting in what God had given you. You started trusting in the provision and you forgot to keep trusting in the provider. And so he said, give us this day our daily bread. So God says, Lord, help me to meet my needs today. Today I trust you, God, that you will do in my life what I need today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to worry about what happens next week. I'm not going to worry about what the doctor's going to say or my boss is going to say or, 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 or what my wife's going to say or my husband's going to say. I'm not going to worry about any of that. I'm just going to trust you that today, what does is, what is Matthew later in chapter 6, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what things? Food, clothing, shelter, all these things will be added to you. 
Then he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today is today's trouble. Lord, here's what I need today. Some of you are worrying about that bill that ain't even due for two weeks. And you're like, oh, what are we ever going to do? What are we ever going to do? You don't need to worry about that today. God will take care of you. The crazy thing about God is usually it's at the last second that he shows up. So we're, so worrying on the way there ain't going to do you any good anyway because he's not probably going to show up until 11.59.59 anyway. You're like, midnight. Well, it's two minutes to midnight. God needs guy. I got two minutes. I'm going to go to the In-N-Out Burger and grab some lunch, and I'll be back. Lord, you can't. Give me my daily bread. Which, say, give me my daily bread, Lord. What needs do I pray about? Well, I need to pray about all, I need to pray about, you know, the, the important needs. You need to pray about all of your needs. My God shall supply how many of your needs? All of your needs according to his riches and glory. So why do we not pray about all of our needs? Well, you know, the Lord, this, I realize this needs not very much. Is it a need? Now, listen to me. God doesn't provide our wants. He's not interested in your wants. <laughs> he is not interested in your wants, but he's fully capable and, and true and faithful about supplying all of your needs. Well, I prayed for a new car and I didn't get it. Okay, well, drive your old car then. You got food in your belly? Philippians 4.19 says, and this is the Living Bible, and it is he who will supply all your needs from his riches and glory because of what Jesus has done for us. It's all about the cross, you guys. Why can I trust God to supply everything that I need? Because Jesus died on the cross. And he rose again. Philippians 4.6, don't worry about anything. My glasses are dirty. Can somebody tell me what that said? What? It says don't worry about anything? Whoa. That seems significant. Don't worry about anything. What do we do instead of worrying? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for the answers. You have no idea the struggle of time every Sunday for me. Listen. Thank him for the answers. What answers are we thanking him for? Well, all of them. Yes, even when he says no. Anything else? That's all correct. You're all correct. Is there anything else? You're thanking him for you're giving you're thanking him for answering a prayer that he has not even prayed yet because you just prayed it. That's ridiculous. How can I how can I thank God for something he hasn't done with me yet? That's called faith. Faith is not this thing that we stir up. I love this thing about there was this song a few years ago, and it's just a, such a fantastic song. And jo Josh brought it to me, and 99.9995 and of that song 
is just like spot on and I love it and I want to do it. And I said, but we can't say that because it said, give me faith. And faith, asking God to give us faith is an unbiblical prayer. Now, I know I just stepped on some folks' toes there. But asking God to give you faith, I didn't mean to do this. Josh, can you run in my office and on that box on the corner of my desk is a, a little bottle? Can you bring me that? Um, are you guys okay? The disciples came to Jesus one day and said, increase our faith. This is my, my biblical backing for what I just said because I know that in some circles they get tweaked when I say this. We are not, I believe strongly that we are not ever to pray for more faith. Yes, that's it. Thank you. I, I believe with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength that we are never to pray for more faith. And that comes from two places. One of those is this. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, increase our faith. And Jesus' response to them was not, here's how you increase your faith. His response was, you don't need more faith. Now, you can say amen even if you're not with me yet because you don't believe me. He said, the, the thing about it is, you don't need more faith. I, I didn't mean to do this, so I don't know if this thing's open or not. But you don't need more faith. Because you only need a mustard seed's worth. Now, I should have done this before, but I didn't mean to do this. And of course, this thing's just going to rip off the top. But Look at this. See this? He said that all the faith that you need how many of you can even see that? I can't hardly because I don't have my glasses on. He said, all the faith you need is that much. This right here, this right here, this, this is like the church. Because you can see that, right? But if I take that and I split it off all into one all across the floor over here, you can't even hardly see that. But you put that together, and that's a whole lot of faith. But my part, my part is not to have all this faith. My part is just to have this much faith. We're all the time going, oh, God, give me faith, give me faith. And God's going, I already did. Second verse, God said, God, or the Word of God says God has given to all of us a measure of faith. The problem is not that we don't have enough faith. The problem is that we put our faith in the wrong direction. Listen to me. If I die praying for healing, I am still healed. Anybody know what I'm saying? If... If I pray a prayer and God doesn't answer that prayer the way that I prayed it, and yet he meets my need anyway, then, then, then God is still answering prayer. Someone said a minute ago, sometimes we pray a prayer and God just, we were like, oh, God didn't answer my prayer. And it's like, no, God clearly answered your prayer. He said no. We just don't want to accept that. Yes. 
So we have to understand that when God says, I want you to just exercise your faith, it's not a matter of, and I know that there's been a lot of twisting of what faith is in the last 30 or 40 years, but faith is not this thing that you work up. If I could get enough faith in my faith, in my, of my faith, in my faith, and I could build my faith, then, then, I can, then I could make a connection here with God. And my faith isn't in my faith. My faith is taking what I have and putting it in the right place. When you are worrying and fearing and doubting and, and all of those kind of things, you're exercising just as much faith as you are if you put it in God. It's just that you're putting it in a different direction. And so we have to be like, okay, worry is overwhelming. And listen to me. I know this is not pie in the sky. I get this. Because there are things in our life that are worrisome. Right? There are things in our life that we're like, oh, God, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's true. You don't know what you're going to do. It does, I'm not saying here that you pretend like everything is okay. What I'm saying is that we serve a God who is holy, and he's faithful, and he's true, and he keeps his word, and he is my refuge and my strong tower, and, and, and he's the lifter of my head, and he's my healer, and he's my deliverer, and he's my salvation. Therefore, no matter what happens, I can still put my faith in him. It's not the amount of faith. It's the object of faith that matters. My faith is in him. My faith is not in my faith. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I battle the spiritual warfare that I do against my worry and my doubt and my fear. The spirit, my spiritual warfare is prayer. I war against worry, doubt, and fear by praying. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So if you want to go to war, go to war with prayer, not with worry. Number four, pardon. I ask God to forgive my sins. Matthew 6, verse 12. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive others of their sins. Now there's four steps to forgiveness. I'm going to read these, move on because I'm out of time. But I want you to go study these out, please, on your own. Because sometimes we, we, um, we ask God to forgive us. Show of hands. How many of you in this room, you, you know that when you pray and ask God to forgive you, he does, but you struggle with feeling like you've been forgiven? Have anybody ever been in that boat? Because I have lots of many, 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 many times in my life. So when you pray and ask God to forgive you, you have to understand, first of all, that he forgave you. But what do I do when I pray and ask him to forgive me and I know I'm forgiven, but I don't feel like it? Check out your notes. Step number one. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal every sin. Because this is important. There's a little thing, like it's not some big epic thing, but, but I was praying the other day, and I was praying that prayer. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O Lord, know me. Try me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me the way everlasting. And I pray that prayer very often. And God brought to my mind something that happened like a long, long time ago, like probably two and a half decades ago. And it's like, I mean, how many times have I prayed a prayer of repentance since then? I know I'm forgiven of that, but when God brings that thing to your mind, pray about it anyway. Because it wouldn't become, that, that thing, I hadn't thought about that thing in probably almost that whole two and a half decades. But God brought that thing to my mind, and so I, well, I, I guess since it's coming to my mind, that God wants to me to ponder on this, and so I just ask God, God, please forgive me for doing that. Now, I've, I've prayed prayers of repentance all the time. Like, like, well, you're supposed to be holy, Pastor. Well, I try, but sometimes I fall on my face. Mostly every day. 
And so I pray prayers of repentance all the time. But sometimes God wants to bring up and illuminate a certain thing and have you pray that through with him. And so first of all, on the path to feeling forgiveness, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal every sin to you. Step number two, confess each sin specifically. Oh, God, forgive me for every sin that I've ever committed since I was born as a sinner in my mother's womb. And then God's going, now that prayer is a good prayer, right? That's a good prayer. But if God is like, you've been full of lust this entire week, oh, God, forgive me for every sin. I'm not worried about every sin right now. I'm worried about this one right here that we need to work on, right? You, you've been treating your wife like garbage all week. Oh, Lord, please just forgive me for every sin that I've ever committed in my whole life. No, I want to talk to you about how you're treating your wife or your husband or your kids. Pray about that. And when God brings, and I'm not talking about sitting around laying on sackcloth and ashes all the time going, oh, God, was me, I'm a worm. But when you pray and say, God, reveal to me if there's anything in my life. Search me and know me. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. And if you will do that, and then God begins to reveal specific things to you, repent of those things specifically. Step number three, make restitution to others when it is necessary. Now listen to me. Restitution may not always be necessary, and sometimes it may not be possible. I'm, I'm thinking in the 12 steps. Ed and Becky, can you help me in the 12 steps on that one? Yeah, can you, can you tell me that step? There's the one step, that's, uh, and I'm going to blow it. That's why I didn't want to say it. But it says, uh, if, I, if I, can you say that real loud? God, yourself, and others. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. There's one, well, never mind. There's one specific step. Yes, if it doesn't harm them or anybody else. That's what I was trying to think of. My brain just shut off. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have took all that time on that. But, but that's one of the steps when you're dealing with addiction. And you're like, well, I just want to not drink anymore. I just don't want to do drugs anymore. I just don't want to be codependent anymore or any of those things. And it's like one of those things on the pathway to that is, is if you've done things to other people, you need to go and deal with that. But sometimes if it would cause harm, you don't want to do that because it may not be possible. But if it's possible... You got to go and make, if you've done somebody wrong, you need to go and make that right. It just got quiet there. I was getting amens a minute ago. <laughs> All amens back there on let your kingdom come. Make restitution when is necessary. And also you would throw in there if it's possible and it's not going to cause harm. Step number four, by faith, accept God's forgiveness. And that's the big one. If I have asked God to reveal sins, he's revealed them, I've repented of them, I've done everything I can do to make restitution and make right what I have done, then I have to just believe that God has forgiven me. It just is what it is. I am free. I am forgiven. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am not identified by those sins anymore. I'm not hung up by those sins anymore. I'm not chained up by those sins. We sing this song, Ch uh, chains are falling, or walls are falling, chains are on the floor. The enemy's been defeated. I'm a captive no more. We sing the song, but then we walk out all bound up in our chains still. Listen to me. If you pray the prayer of faith and say, God, forgive me, he's forgiven you, you're done. You're done with it. That sin, that sin that he revealed to me the other day when I was praying, I'm done with it. I never have to go back and think about that ever again. Number five, then I pray for people. I start with forgiving other people, and then I pray for other people. That's called intercession. Everybody say intercession. Intercession. 
Not every prayer is a prayer of intercession. Intercession is when we pray about the needs of others. When we stand in the gap for others, that's intercession. Okay? And I was going to say some stuff, but I'm not going to. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, pray, pray much for others. Plead for God's mercy upon them. Give thanks for all he is going to do for them. Notice this quick pattern here, and I'm not going to stay on this, but the pattern there of you, you have to pray and ask God and thank him again, just like in the verse before, thank him for something he hasn't even done yet. So when I, when I pray for you and you pray for me and you're like, man, you need, to, you need to get that pastor straightened out, God. And God's like, I know, man, he's a mess. But we're working on it. We're working on it. And then you pray and say, thank God, thank you, Jesus, that you have straightened out that mess of a pastor. And then I walk in the next week. Thank you, God, that you have straightened out that pastor. I pray for others. Now, in your notes there, 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 is, uh, there are some verses there. If you're like, I don't know how to pray for other people, there's some verses there. And if you pray those verses over who it is you're praying for, those are, that's a good place to start. And number six is this, protection. Matthew 6, verse 13 says, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you're in your notes, please circle the phrase, deliver us from the evil one. That's the protection of God. Satan's greatest weapon is temptation. He cannot make you sin, but he can tempt you to commit the sin your own self. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. The devil tempted you, and then you sinned. That's why the basis of all of our stuff, no matter what's going on in our life, if it's gossip, if it's an addiction, if it's lying, thieving, stealing, stealing, cheating, if it's if it's anger, un, un uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sinful anger, because all anger is not sinful. But when you're angry without cause, is what I was trying to say. Whatever that whatever that is that you're doing, you have to understand that that's a sin. That's a sin issue at the core. Okay? Now, again, I know these aren't hallelujah things when I say this stuff. It's easy to go, well, my problem is, my problem is, is, uh, my problem is my wife. My problem is my boss. My problem, my problem is my addiction. My problem is my bank account. My, my problem is the way I was raised. My, my problem is the, the teacher that I had in the sixth grade. And, and, and what we do when we do that is we do not take responsibility for our own stuff. The devil cannot make you sin. He cannot make you sin. So if you have sinned, you have sinned because you chose to sin. And so when we sin, we have to realize that was us and not the devil. But the devil is exceedingly powerful at temptation. And when he tempts you, He's going to tempt you in such a way that, see, the enemy, when we speak of, uh, like, when we speak of addictions, the enemy never tempts me with methamphetamine. It's like, oh, don't say that because he'll come and tempt you with it. He doesn't tempt me with that because that has no appeal to me at all. Now, somebody that's, that's caught up in that, that has every appeal. But that doesn't have an appeal to me, and so he doesn't tempt me that way. 
right? In my life, I'll just, I'm, I'm, some people are like, you shouldn't talk about these things, Pastor. I'll tell you what my number one temptation through my whole life has been, has been lust. It's never been alcoholism. I used to drink. I used to drink a pretty healthy amount. But when I decided I didn't want to drink, I just quit. It was never a problem. That wasn't a problem for me. But in my mind, when you're like, lust, lust, everywhere you're looking. So if I'm going to be tempted, I guarantee you that's where it's going to be. So I have to be on guard for that. Now, other people might be like, I have zero temptation for that. My temptation is gossip. My temptation is stealing. My temptation is, is anger. The enemy is going to tempt. Now, this is really the last thing, so I'm done. So I know, I know we got to go. But the enemy is never going to tempt you in a way that is not pleasing to you. He's going to tempt you exactly where you are pleased. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. And so don't run around. If, if you're, I, don't run, I don't ever pray a prayer, God, please keep me from going to meth. But I do often pray, God, help me to be on guard with my eyes and my ears and what I'm looking at and what I'm listening to and what I'm, what I'm uh, participating in because I know that that would take me right down a road. You're supposed to be holy, Pastor. Guess what? That's what makes me holy. Because I go, God, I need you to help me to not go there. Deliver me from the evil one. Put a hedge of protection around me. Let your Holy Spirit check me and convict me and convict me hard. Put me flat on my face if I start down that path. Because I know that the enemy is coming down that path. Now, you know what your sin is. We want to come to church like the hypocrites because, you know, scripturally, hypocrite means you put on a mask, not one of these masks. It's the spiritual mask. How you doing, brother? I'm great. I'm wonderful. I'm perfect. Pull off the mask, and you're battling with lust, depression, anger, addiction. Take off the mask. And say, Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. And please do not let me be led into temptation. But deliver me from the evil one. I need your protection, God. I need your word. I need your Holy Spirit. Let your word be a light into my feet and a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. We're, we're able. Now, these, these prayers that we're all praying, I had something else I was going to say about that, but I'm going to leave it because it's super late. If you struggle in the area of prayer, I want you to know that answered prayers are this close to you. And if you're like, I don't, I, I, I just struggle with it, just take, take the notes and just start praying on those things. There's an abundance of needs. There's, abundant, there's an abundance of daily bread that we need. There's a whole lot of praise that needs to go up to God. There's a whole lot of thanksgiving we need to be giving him, a whole lot of adoration, a whole lot of recognizing who he is. There's a whole lot of us being led into temptation in the wilderness and us praying, God, please do not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. 
Oh, by the way, I, I, this, is it, this is it. I have to say this part about that last one. We read verses so often we don't think about what it said. Do not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Why do those two phrases go together? Because if I'm not ever led into temptation, why would I need to be delivered from the evil one? So I pray, Lord, don't ever lead me down the, into the path of temptation. But guess what? I'm probably going to find my way there sometime. So it's not only just saying, Lord, keep me from every bad thing that might ever happen to me. Don't ever let, me, don't ever let the devil tempt me again because the devil is coming. And when you find yourself in that place, then you pray the prayer and say, Lord, I, I've prayed that prayer not to lead me into temptation, but, but here I am and I found myself in this place, so deliver me from the evil one. Let me take these thoughts captive. Help me find that way out that you promised. No temptation has ever overtaken you that is not common to man, but God will give you an out, a way out. So you say, God, where's my way out? Because I need to get out of here and I need to get out of here quick. Like Joseph. If you're, reading, if you're reading the daily Bible reading, we recently read about Joseph. You know, Joseph went, was, was in a, 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 um, the house with the leader. My brain just shut off again. He, he's in there with his wife, Potiphar. And the wife is like, hey, baby, you look pretty good. Come on, let's get it on. And Joseph resisted and resisted and resisted until she grabbed his garment and said, come on. Now listen to me. Potiphar is a leader. I'm guessing that she was pretty good looking. I mean, if she's 94 years old or 115 years old and Joseph's 17 or whatever, that may not have been much of a temptation at that point. But I, I'm believing that she probably looked good because the pharaohs and all those guys, they probably didn't have, you know, much like all of you ladies in here today, beautiful and lovely. And it says she grabbed him and said, come lay with me. And then I love it because it says he ran out of the house and left his coat. It would appear that he may have run out of the house naked or at least down to a skivvies because he would rather flee the house naked than to sin against his God. That's deliver me from the evil one. Lord, if you give me the strength, I'm running. Now listen, these things here, I don't want us to get legalistic about it, but I want you to know when, you're, when you hit a brick wall in your prayer, just go back to these basics. Pray, pray, just praise God. Pray about purpose. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. You could pray that prayer all day, every day. Pray for your needs. Pray that God will help you with temptation, deliver you from evil. Pray for other people. There's an abundance of needs in other people's lives that you could spend hours and hours praying. I don't know if I could ever pray for an hour. It's easy to pray for an hour because there's abundance of needs. Pray for the country. Pray for the president. Listen, some of you like the, uh, the old one, and some of you like the new one, and some of you don't like the new one, and some of you didn't like the old one. None of that matters because the Word of God says you need to pray for them. If, if, if they're not everything that we want them to be, maybe we ought to pray, pray it in. Because we don't know what God can do. We don't know what God can do. God can flip things on a dime if he wants to. God can take a Nebuchadnezzar and he can put him down eating grass and, and growing out like some kind of wild animal. 
Listen, that's why you have to begin with praise because we take things into our own hands, own thoughts, own minds, own ways, and we, we discount who God is. And if we'll just tap into who God is and pray prayers according to that, God is going to do some stuff in this church this year that, that will absolutely blow our minds. And we'll look back next year at fasting time and, and use that as a launching pad into 2022. Should God tarry, because I'm not exactly sure that he's going to tarry. We might not even be here next year. But listen, the, this last thing I want to leave, and then I'm going to have, I'm going to have, I'm going to have JP come up and close us in prayer this morning. He didn't know that, so I just put him on the spot. But no matter what comes our way this year, we have to know that in the hardest times all throughout history, in the Bible and not in the Bible, when the hardest times came, God did the greatest miracles. When, when the greatest struggles have come against the church, that is when the church sees more salvations than it has ever seen. You do understand that the church was birthed in the midst of massive persecution. The church is birthed in Acts chapter 2, and by Acts chapter 7, they're already stoning the Christians to death. It makes no difference whether this next year is good, wonderful, blessed, or whether it is a struggle and there's persecution and we have to endure. None of that makes any difference because our God is not phased by any of those things. He's not falling off his throne. Our God, through our God, we shall do valiantly. Through our God, we shall do valiantly. If you are in the Bible reading right now, just this yesterday and today, we were reading through the plagues that came on Egypt. And when all those plagues came on Egypt, I love that it says, but over there in Goshen with God's people, in Egypt, it was so thick black darkness that they could feel how black and dark it was. But over there in Goshen, there was light in the house. How is that possible? That actually is physically impossible. It's, it's, it's cosmically impossible. That is, according to the laws of nature, it cannot, there cannot be light right here. And right here, there's thick darkness, so dark that people can feel it. It's impossible because light always dispels the darkness. And yet when God steps into the equation. So I'm thinking some stuff is going to happen this year. Some stuff that's probably going to make us go, oh, God, what is going on? But listen to me. In the midst of that, God is going to do great exploits in his people. I anticipate this will be the most prosperous year for his walk that we've ever had. The most prosperous year. The most prosperous year for Celebrate Recovery we've ever had. The most powerful year of worship we've ever had. The most powerful words that have ever come from this pulpit are going to be spoken this year. More lives changed. More miracles. More signs. More wonders. Big ones or small ones. I don't even care. Just God do whatever you want to do. We can't get sucked into this woe is us mentality. Because God's going to do what he's going to do. And he's looking for our people to do it through.
And we need that to be us. And that begins with prayer. So let me say this. Thursday night, please come and pray. And don't wait till Thursday night to pray, though. Be praying today and praying tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Pray this week for next Sunday that we have a blowout, that God shows up like he's never showed up in our church before. And listen, that's, that's a bar because God showed up in our church and done some pretty amazing things in the past. Why can't we believe that what he'll do here in the next months will be more than we've ever seen? Father, we just come to you this morning. We're thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful. We come to you not with worry. We come to you with thanksgiving this morning. Thanking you in advance, as we've just been talking about, that for the prayers that you're about to answer in this next year, for lives changed, for, for marriages healed, for miracles, for addictions that are broken, for salvations, through, through the prodigals that are out there that used to walk with you, and, and they're out there in the world right now, but by this time next year, they're going to be in worshiping right next to us. For our family that we thought would never come to Christ, that, that we will be sharing the testimonies that, that they came in miraculous form. They came to know you, Jesus. Thank you for the miracle of ministry, that the word of God is going to be preached in this church in ways with power and authority, not just from myself, but from whoever steps into this pulpit. God will be preached with the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for fresh baptisms, dear Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that, that, that those who have not received the gift of speaking in tongues will receive that gift. Thank you, thank you that those that have gifts inside of them that have not manifested, that those gifts are going to manifest. Thank you that you are raising up new ministries and new preachers and new teachers. Thank you that you're touching our kids, God, and that you're going to use our kids in powerful ways. God, even as we prayed last Thursday, that, that I thank you that you're going to use our kids to put us to shame. God, that, that their zeal for you is going to make us drive us to our knees in prayer. Thank you for the lives that are going to be changed through his walk. Thank you for the lives that are going to be changed through Celebrate Recovery, through Bible study, through discipleship. I thank you, God, that through our God, we will do valiantly this year. That through our God, we will do valiantly. God, that those those who are called by the name of God, will do great exploits. And I pray, Father, we would begin by praying the miracles down from heaven, both individually and corporately. And I just pray that you would empower our prayers in a new way this year, that we would meet with you in a new way this year. Fathers, we're leaving here this morning. I just ask for everyone in this room, everyone that's listening, whether it's live or on repeat, God, that you would bless them and keep them that you would cause your face to shine on them, that you would be gracious to them, show them favor and give them peace this week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.